Heaven, you fool. Did you ever hear of any pirates going there? Give me hell. It's a merrier place. Thomas Sutton. Violent Vice contains graphic and explicit content, which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I'm John John. And I'm Audie. Hello. Welcome to Violin Vice. We're still on a pirate kick because pirates are awesome. They are. <laughs> if you haven't already, please hit subscribe and give us five stars and leave a review because feedback would be nice. It'd be great. I could figure out what I could improve on. We'd really, really appreciate it. I know it takes two seconds to log into Apple Podcasts to like write a review, but it would really help us out, and we'd appreciate it. Also, we just want to hear from you, you know, chat, have a good time. Yeah, it, it would be a great time. <laughs> a great time. And I'm just so disheartened because John John didn't get my R joke at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> That's okay. I, I did, too. <laughs> it's all good. I'm cheesy. I mean, we're from Wisconsin. It's all good. Yeah, that's what. That's our thing. Yeah. We, we need that. Yeah. It is. But, like I mentioned today, we're still on Pirates, and I'm in charge of one of the most infamously and well-known slash referenced Pirates of all time. Oh my gosh. Blackbeard. Woo! Yar. <laughs> Are you guys ready for a great time? I mean, I there's going to be some stuff we talked about last week, but in case you forgot, now you'll double learn. And it'll be so exciting. So there may be some references to stuff before. But anyway, much like any pirate way back then, there's not a lot of information about where they grew up, how they lived, and anything before they actually became pirates. Because... I mean, people mostly know him as Blackbeard, but it's estimated he was probably born around 1680 and most likely in the town of Bristol. So, yeah, there's mostly guesses about how his childhood went. Um, For the most part, we're pretty sure his real name was Edward Teach and had the nickname of Thatch along with Blackbeard, and it's likely that he came from either a very respectable or wealthy family and was very well educated. But he still became a sailor and started to do some questionable things as he began to work as a privateer out of ports in Jamaica during the sections of time such as like the War of the Spanish Succession and Queen Anne's War, which may have inspired his ship name later on. But if you don't know, privateer and pirate are very different things, as well as buccaneers and corsairs. So to clarify, a privateer is essentially a 
pirate that is working for a particular government. So they're not allowed to plunder a certain country ships, but they're more than welcome to on any of these enemy ships. Now, a corsair is what most people would call a privateer that's from a foreign country that they're at war with. So like the Spanish would call English privateers corsairs and vice versa. And buccaneers were just straight up pirates that would essentially sell wild meat to any ship that came by. They wanted to do things like that and would usually hold a pretty good territory that wasn't either well managed by a country or even fully claimed by one. But they were straight up just territorial pirates. Like, don't come near our island or else we will destroy you. But here, buy some meat. I'm glad you clarified all that because there's a lot of pirate terms thrown around. Yeah, it is. It is confusing because I usually just put all of those in the same category. Just like synonyms, but no, there's yeah. differences. Yeah. So I was kind of happy to learn that fun stuff. No, for sure. But yeah, so Blackbeard started his career as a privateer during all of those Spanish, English, French, Dutch war around the Caribbean, but he worked mostly for the English and was very supportive of the Queen Anne regime. So when she died and like a new family came into power as royalty of England, he was a little bit not as on board with England anymore. So yeah, all the way up until about 1713, when most of that sort of ended finishing up, like there wasn't so much a war anymore, he started to do as most privateers that are no longer in wars tend to do and just do what they do best, but now there's no restrictions and they don't have to pay a government some sort of portion of the loot that they get. So he started to move around Jamaica and make his way up to these spattering of islands called New Providence, where you'll find like Nassau and other places like that, that pirates really liked hanging out. Which we with. covered last episode. Yeah, so he was there. He probably saw him at a bar or something. It was great. Now, in this sort of freelance privateer slash merging into piratehood typeness, he ended up joining a crew by a Ben Hornigold, which is another pretty famous pirate, because, I don't know, he did a lot of stuff as a pirate, and then with that whole royal pardon type thing, started to change his sides with that. So, yeah, Teach was part of Hornigold's crew for a good while before Hornigold and him split off and had their own ideas of what to do. But essentially, Hornigold later became a pirate hunter that started hunting Blackbeard for a good while. But in the intro, Hornigold was pretty impressed by how well Blackbeard was good with sailing and orders and a lot of his relatively unique ideas on how to capture ships as well. He ended up 
keeping one of the ships just for uh, Edward Teach, which was another one of these sloops, a sloop of war, which is one of those two-mast but slow-moving ships with a bunch of cannons. Like, if it's... If it has of war or o war in it, lots of cannons. Lots of armor. Lots of cannons. Lots of firepower. Big boom. Yeah. Like, galleys were a good in-between. Skiffs were, like, super fast. Anything with a war was slow, but dangerous. So, Hornigold was building his fleet, which Teach was now a captain of one of the ships. And their combined might, they've kept captured several ships along the southeast coast and sort of like the north and central america areas of the caribbean but staying closer more to the mainland than particularly the islands because those are still pretty well protected by the spanish and english colonies because plantations were very profitable and they wanted to keep that but in this sort of big pirating combination between two great captains they did acquire a lot of trade goods like a lot of flour there was one that was essentially chock full of wine and after a good while is when they kind of moved more towards the west indies and intercepted a huge man of war ship that was transporting slaves which after just two volleys of cannons, they were able to take over because this ship traveled all the way from Africa over here. So a lot of their crew was dead. A lot of them had scurvy. And a lot of, I don't know, just general tiredness. Like a long voyage will take a lot out of you. So there wasn't much of a fight because, I mean, Hornigold and Teach were fresh as they could be because they've just been in ports all over the Caribbean and just stopped this ship a hundred miles from the nearest port. And of that crew that was taken over, some of them willingly joined both Hornigold and Teach as more pirates and those with skills like carpentry and sort of these cook slash weaving type people to help repair sails, they more or less forced them to join. Otherwise, they just left any of the survivors, including the slaves, just on an island. Sort of just ditched them after they took the ship, which Teach then claimed for himself. And he gave it the trademark name, his flagship of flagships, the Queen Anne's Revenge. So he was he was a pretty big fan of Queen Anne, and really that war affected him and a lot of ways such a cool ass name though i know right i mean yeah. there were some that just had the one word like the revenge or the adventure but the queen anne's revenge, revenge. is just there's a regality to it there is and like a threaten like threatening tone to it it's oh just, yeah yeah it's just like it brings up bad memories and yeah teach was all about theatrics yeah But now that he had his own Queen Anne's Revenge, he started building his own fleet of pirate ships. He ended up plundering and sinking a ship called the Great Allen, which essentially was this 
relatively large ship, almost on par with the Queen Anne. And they just full-on destroyed it, took it. And they ended up keeping a ship that they plundered called the Adventure. Not as good as Queen Anne's Revenge, but still. Adventure is a cool thing to have on your side. It is. And that became another one part of his fleet. And one of the like the major battles of his recent acquiring of the Queen Anne uh, was this naval bat- battle with uh, the HMS Scarborough. And the Scarborough outgunned or had more cannons and more people than the Queen Anne's. But with tactics and different sort of interesting and strange maneuvers. He was very creative as a captain, Teach was. And they ended up not destroying it, but forcing it to surrender and fleeing back to Barbados. So the Queen Anne outmatched, in at least on paper, full-on took out this massive warship and sent it running. Which is cool. Yeah. And while Hornigold was still kind of in the group, he more participated in the plundering and taking of stuff, not so much the actual battles, sort of like sweeping in to secure the loot type thing. Yeah, like have your men do the footwork and then reap the benefits after. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until 1718 when Hornigold received his pardon and started his hunt of Blackbeard. Essentially, most people that were receiving these things gained some sort of commission as a privateer for a certain governor or something like that. He was essentially a bounty hunter of the seas, Hornigold was. So, though he was a friend, he suddenly had a powerful enemy. All the while, Teach was also gaining more allies. And a particularly interesting one, the gentleman pirate himself, a steed bonnet, who came from this very wealthy family, and he even owned a plantation, but he ended up deciding to give all of that up, either just to get away from his unhappy marriage, or a weird midlife crisis type thing. And Thad just took him under his wing, let him have his own ship, which was called the Revenge. A lot of these one were very weird kind of names. But he was essentially not all that great of a pirate because he had no experience or anything right away. So he was learning a lot from Blackbeard for a good while. And uh, when he ended up getting injured in one of these battles, he was kind of forced to stay on the Queen Anne with Blackbeard since he did have a lot of money, it was sort of like a weird insurance bargaining chip for Teach. And I don't think uh, Bonnet even really noticed. He thought he was actually just getting like an up-close lesson or something like that. Very kind of ignorant, wide-eyed, kind of childlike wonder with this stuff. But Teach wasn't exactly the nicest of guys. Once Bonnet was allowed back on his own ship, uh, Teach stripped the revenge of most of its cannons and a lot of its just sailing capabilities to restock or keep in 
sort of the back closet of his ships so they could repair along the way, leaving Bonnet and his crew just beached on a ship, uh, beached on, a, on an island. I think the theory is that Teach felt his fleet was beginning to be too large, so he was kind of cutting the weakest link from that. So in that, Bonnet started to resent Blackbeard, surprisingly. Though he did actually learn a good amount while he was still on the Queen Anne's, so he was able to get the revenge back up and running, found a new crew, and started to search for and try to get his revenge on the Queen Anne and Blackbeard. Unfortunately, he was caught before that by authorities and through a not so speedy trial with lots of holdups, he was instead hanged for piracy before he could ever have that confrontation with Teach. That's a rough blow. A little. Like, he gave up a lot of stuff, put a lot of trust in this guy who just full-on ditched him. Yeah. And he ended up dying trying to find this guy. Though his memoirs is where most people get any sort of information on Blackbeard, along with the same uh, history of pirates that is by possibly a pseudonym or just a combination put together under one name most of these Caribbean pirates. So, in a way, Bonnet was very important. Maybe a bit too optimistic, but important. Now, Blackbeard's fleet was pretty large, so trying to trim it down was very understandable. It was large enough that if he wanted to take any lone ship, regardless of its size, a man-of-war, even just a galley, they stood no chance. And his theatrics more or less inspired intense fear with each capture that he had, because he would often leave survivors. And he had a very, very interesting way of doing it. So most ships, after he started just full-on dominating by force, would end up just surrendering, surrendering right away before even a fight started when they saw the Queen Anne approaching. So part of his theatrics was his looks, very iconic type stuff. He had these two shoulder straps that went down past his ankles over his captain's coat. Each strap on each side of him had three pistols hanging from it. So already that's kind of, kind of a cool look. Of course he had his own saber and his own other pistol on his side as well okay this is more of an interesting weird take on it he would keep uh wicks for like cannons and spare other firearm type stuff sticking out of his hair under his hat and would often light them when he boarded ships so there would be these wispy smoke type things all around his face I mean, even in the dark, like a really menacing-type glow. So that's what those were. Yeah, those were cannon wicks and sometimes pistol wicks, but it was just it was a slow-burn-type stuff since they didn't 
really have a lot of fuel so there's just these small embers and sparks so really like medicine type appearance which i think is kind of cool yeah no and, it looks really cool i just never figured out why his hair is always smoking yeah that's why i mean he's trying to personify that he is this devil of the waters yeah now in his beard was a little bit more unique he was going more for unusual instead of just pure scary with this he would often braid or ponytail his beard and would tie it in place with very colorful ribbons or bows and stuff so you you see like pictures of these pirates with weird braids in their hair and just stuff that's very shiny and colorful sticking out. Most of that came from him. So from the top was this very demonic smoky presence on the bottom, a very colorful and interesting looking beard. Very, All on top of six pistols. Very theatrical. He's yeah. definitely going for a look there. Yeah, and it worked. People would just give up straight on sight. Now in 1718, a little bit after he already got his fleet put together and doing a good amount of piracy already, he went off to South Carolina to Charlestown. Again, another place mentioned before. And he ended up setting up the whole blockade, preventing any ships from entering without getting boarded, looted, and possibly mangled as well as leaving one such ship had a bunch of people that were traveling to london so pretty rich type people who he then kept on board and used as hostages to ransom from the governor of charlestown to give them shipments of medicine i'm not exactly sure what the medicine was for but also medicine's pretty expensive so that would be a pretty solid piracy type move because flour is flour, but medicine, that's expensive stuff. Yeah. Now his terms were sending his more trusted pirates to inform the governor of this ransom and was allowed two days before returning with the medicine. Otherwise, he would return the hostages from the neck up only. That sort of thing. So just their heads. Yeah, yeah. He was going to behead them and just return them and probably toss the bodies overboard. Well, two days passed, and instead of just following through with his orders, the pirates that he sent in had just gotten wasted just full-on wasted at least that's what the reports for him were said and so he ended up waiting a few more days he did receive the ransom of the medicine and the hostages were set free and alive but after that it was essentially a full-on ransom payment okay we're good let's head out type situation so I, I guess that was probably the best scenario for that to happen. Otherwise, that could have gotten really bad really quickly. Yeah. 
Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. So instead of going back to the Caribbean, uh, back to the Caribbean after that, he instead went to North Carolina to supposedly make repairs on the Queen Anne and the rest of his fleet, uh, who used this method, I think, called careening, is how it's pronounced, where you go somewhere, you can only go during high tide, and then when low tide happens, you can go in and do repairs on these ships on the under decks that you couldn't do if it was still in water. Well, he ended up getting the Queen Anne stuck on a sandbar. And when he tried to remove it, another one of his ships got stuck on a sandbar. So it seems kind of like he just made a foolish mistake in that situation. Because he was down his two ships, one of which was the Queen Anne. So it's... It's not a good that, thing. No. But there was theories that he might have done that on purpose. Because it is kind of a rookie mistake. And he was no rookie. But as doing this would might have been a way for him to break up his crew. So there wouldn't be a strong case for mutiny for what he was going to do next. Which he then went to the city of Bath, North Carolina, which is not a great name, like full on B A T H. City of Bath, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, if there's like a lot of spas and stuff, like maybe a decent name, but not a I very good city name. I don't think there was. Name. I mean, it was a colony town in North Carolina, so it wasn't, probably didn't have that. So still, weird name with that. But when he was there, he accepted his own royal pardon. It was instead commissioned by the governor there, uh, Governor Eden, to be a privateer for him, specifically. So North Carolina now had the scourge of the Seven Seas as his own personal privateer. So lots of people weren't exactly on board with that, one of which being the governor of Virginia, Governor Sportswood who sent two sloops to take out Thatch, who is also down to two ships. Now, naturally, a battle ensued with that, but the conscripted forces by the Virginia governor kind of planned for this, sort of playing into their natural tendencies of pirates. And... When cannons started to go, they made it seem so that the battle was definitely going to Blackbeard's advantage. So once Blackbeard and his crew boarded these ships, everyone on those ships who were below decks, just kind of waiting for them to board, emerged suddenly, drastically changing the situation completely, and just full-on pounced on Blackbeard and tried to submit... Uh, try to subdue all of the other pirates and apparently that battle according to the lieutenant in charge of this ambush said it took six minutes for that old boarding and battle to take place at the end of which Edward Teach was dead on the ground with five gunshot wounds and 20 cuts 
the head of him, though, was a trophy on the mast of that lieutenant ship until it probably started to smell and do corpsey stuff. As but a decomposing the... body does. Yeah. But essentially, Blackbeard went out fighting, doing what he loved, plundering and capturing ships. So even though it was pretty short-lived from 1713 as a privateer to 1718, all the way to, I think, November of that, pretty short-lived as a pirate legend, definitely made a name for himself. Definitely did. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of these depictions of Blackbeard usually plays up that smoky stuff in an intricate weave in the beard and occasionally part demon. Yeah. What do you think? I think he was just a really fearsome pirate and he played to his strengths. Um, was a little silly at the end, falling uh, for the... Yeah, but... I mean, he didn't really have a reason to believe it wasn't like that. These people were straight up sent to just get him. So yeah. They had, they had to have known what he was tending to do. True, 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 true. But yeah, no, I thought he was a great pirate. Mm-hmm. Lots of fun stuff. So yeah, not even Hornigold got to him, but some random guy that was a lieutenant in the Virginia Naval Corps ended up getting Blackbeard. Yeah. Nice, so, nice, yeah. nice. Lots of similar places from last week, like Nassau. I know that Havana was also pretty popular in the Caribbean. Jamaica was pretty there. And the Carolinas. And, yeah. That, that, those areas seem to be just happening in the early 1700s. Very happening. Yeah. But, yeah. I learned That's, a lot today. I didn't know I all know. that about Blackbeard. I know. I like I'm more proud out of anything that I now know the difference between all the names for pirates. Yeah. Like now I know if someone's a privateer, if I call somebody a corsair that's supposed to be an insult and buccaneers were essentially backwoods pirates with territory issues. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Are we going to probably be staying on this pirate binge? You'll have to find out next week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a ton of them. A ton Uh, of famous pirates. Probably all of them are similar to this time period, too, because, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot of the big ones, like Blackbeard Mm -hmm. and Bonnie. And then... Uh, Mary Reed and uh, Grace O'Malley. Of, yeah, even a good amount of Calico Jack in there as well. Yeah. Even though he wasn't the focus, using a couple of those stories. He was. And then, of course, Sadie of the Goat. Mm, mm, I like that one. That was really fun. It was really fun. But, Audie, do you want to take us out? Sure. If you guys want to email us, you can email us at violinvice at gmail.com. That's V-I-L-E-A-N-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. No ampersands. No ampersands here. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast. You can find us at Twitter at Violin Vice. 
And if you want to go above and beyond, like our Patreon of the month, Brianna Griffith, you can support us on patreon.com backslash file and vice. That is www.patreon.com backslash v-i-l-e-a-n-d-v-i-c-e. We'd really, really appreciate it. And you get bonus content where I get to scare the living pants out of John John. Yeah. 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 For your enjoyment, I must suffer. It is it is a lot of fun, and there are some spooky stories on there, and we usually post something new at least once a month. So, yeah. But anyway, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Violin Vice. Cover art is by Audie Griffith. Music by Annabelle Revac. If you want to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash file and vice or give us five stars on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to this helps us move up the charts and also helps keep the spooky stories coming thank you